All right, good morning everybody. Nikki Burnett here, Taste Life Nutrition. This is Taste Life Nutrition Radio, streaming live on KUHSDenver.com, um, where we truly have some of the most amazing guests who, who are here to, to serve and to bring goodness to the world, which is what I love about this show, is because that really is kind of the whole goal of the show, is to bring you truth and health and wellness, to bring you... Um, ideas and well not even ideas but you know maybe maybe some things that you don't know about maybe some some thoughts and some data that you don't know about yet that is not typical and not mainstream and that's what I like and that's what I want to bring to the forefront are those things that are that are data driven but maybe not mainstream and maybe you don't hear about it as much as you should and that's what I want to do here um, and bring to you people who are working their asses off every day to lift, to build, to grow, to help, to educate, to, to do all the things to, to empower themselves to live this amazing life that we have. And as I keep saying, live large, but at the same time, empowering others to live large. So, you know, we talk here about symptoms and, and disease and, and mental and emotional things and, and all of these things have the tendency to hold us back and that really sucks. <laughs> it's, it's no good to be held back because you don't feel well and so we want to, we, my goal in practice, I would say Dr. Mueller's uh, goal in practice um, is to, to bring health so everybody has the ability to go and do the things that they're put here to do. So I'll stop ranting because I just think it's kind of fun anyway, but um, we have Dr. Diane Mueller who we've had on before. Thank you so much for joining us again. I'm always just so grateful and, and love having you on. You're, you're, I love big brains and Dr. Diane has a super big brain and that's good stuff. Um, and so uh, Dr. Diane is the founder of, co-founder, yes, co-founder of Medicine with Heart. I want to make sure that I put that out there. Um, and has an amazing history. And, uh, and today we're going to talk about some stuff I don't think I've talked about on the show yet. So we want to talk about hormones and blood sugar and the connection. And this is for men and women. This is not just a woman thing. So make sure that you understand and pay attention if you're a man because it's important. Um, so thanks so much. I'm sorry that I just kind of keep rambling, but thanks for, <laughs> for being here again. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. And I, I love your rambling. I love the concept of living <laughs> large. I think it's so important to ground people in that, yeah, this is about health and feeling good, but this is about like being able to perform, being able to be there for your kids and your family. And yeah. You know, so many of your hobbies and all these things and really living the life that you were born to live. Yeah. And it's so much bigger than just health. So I, I love the ramble. I think it's super <laughs> important. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, as always, we start the show with gratitude because gratitude is about lifting up. It's about being grateful for what you have. Even when things are hard, think of at least one thing to be grateful for. For because we have a lot of things to be grateful for. Uh, so, what are you grateful for today? Today, I'm grateful to be here with you. I am grateful to have a chiropractic appointment after this oh, because nice. I have thrown my hip out running. So, I am also grateful for healers in my life that can help me stay on my path. Awesome. <laughs> it's so true. Um, I, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of that. Um, my, my poor husband has had this amazing neck back thing, which he doesn't usually have for months. And so he has found his team of practitioners, chiropractors, a couple of chiropractors and an amazing massage therapist, um, which has really helped him come out of it because he was like in that place where you're unable to move. And I mean, talk about not being able to function, not being able to do what you need to do in life, let alone during the day, um, you know. And so a lot of people, I think, out there live with this type of pain. And so 
you know, with that being said, you know, one, one of the things that I always like to talk about, and I, and I know you do as well, is making sure you have your team, which is what he's done, and which is what I talk to my clients about. When you are sitting in a chronic situation, having a team of practitioners who want to work together, who will work together, um, who, you know, don't have a chip on their shoulder and won't work with each other, <laughs> you know, because there's some of that too. Um, but, you know, those are the people who are there to, to give guidance and to help, and that's, that's what he's done. And so I would, you know, I'm super grateful for the, the practitioners who I'm surrounded by. Um, I have, you know, people who I, I co-manage clients with. I have people who I refer to. I have people who just have big brains that I talk to, like you, Dr. Diane. And so, you know, it's, it helps me, it lifts me up, it brings me joy, it, it brings me education. I mean, I have no doubt today I'm gonna learn some stuff. <laughs> and that I think is super exciting too. So anyway, I'll stop there and let's just jump into, we have already, you know, um, in the past talked about your story, but I think that it's important to talk a little bit about your story again, where you come from, why you're here, for those who, who maybe didn't see you before, because you have a really hard, interesting story that brought you to this amazing place. And I think that that's a great thing for people to hear because people who are sitting there right now dealing with the massive symptoms that are just crushing and it doesn't allow you to work well and to, to participate in life and with family, you know, knowing that there's a way out, I think is really, really important. So um, let's go from there. Yeah, thank you. So I'll even focus on part of the story that is kind of related to the topic at hand today. Mm -hmm. You know, the overarching thing that I like to tell people is that I had Lyme disease, I had mold illness, I was having some pretty severe neurological problems where I was forgetting where I lived. I was having complete numbness in my extremities for unknown reasons where I would be driving and all of a sudden I was having a hard time like feeling the steering wheel would have to pull off on the side of the road until I could get my feeling back like really really scary stuff like that and the core so the biggest pieces of the puzzle for me from a root cause perspective was mold toxins or more mold toxins in my body as well as Lyme disease but one of the key things to tie my history with our topic at hand today really comes down to even in treating these complicated chronic types of things like I had and like so many of you know clients that I know both of we both of us work with that they have in addition to like figuring out some of those types of major root causes I also had severe thyroid imbalance mm -hmm. I also had hormonal imbalance I had low testosterone low DHEA I had low estrogen which is something we don't even see very much I had all sorts of other cortisol imbalances. Luckily, my blood sugar wasn't horribly out of balance, although I couldn't keep it stabilized. It was oftentimes frequently really low. Mm -hmm. So the point that you know my story I, I can teach us essentially is that when we're working with some of these chronic, bigger, say bigger key root causes like Lyme and environmental toxins, that it's still important to make sure that we're coming back to balancing the hormones, supporting the blood sugar. And these are such basic principles that there are out of balance for so many people. And oftentimes it's so easy, I think, to be so excited about these like major root causes that we find, which are important to treat, but it's also really important that we are, in order to restore wellness, we're really looking at some of the more basic abnormalities that we're gonna talk about today. Yeah, agreed. Um, why don't we, why don't we start with just super basic for those who may be just super outside of you know what we're talking about and maybe just have some serious symptoms. They're like, I don't even know what blood sugar is. I know what hormones are, but hormones are you know you know estrogen and testosterone, and that's really as far as it goes. Let's kind of dig into some of those super basics and then go from there. If that's cool with you. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot we can do just even starting with the basics. Mm -hmm. So. Blood sugar, essentially, from a lab testing um, standpoint, is measured as glucose. And essentially, our body is really designed to keep what is happening in our blood at a pretty narrow window for all sorts of different things, and sugar is one of them. So insulin, most people have probably heard of insulin, and insulin's job, essentially, is to help sugar, 
move from the blood inside into the cell, right? So we want to actually make sure that sugar gets into our cell where we're using it for all sorts of things. And to be clear, I'm not talking about, you know, just white table sugar, although that is part of it, mm -hmm. but I'm talking about sugar that comes from like, you know, our vegetables even, like sugar from all sorts of different sources. We want to get it from the blood to the cell where we can utilize it for energy and other things. So a common thing that will happen to people at kind of a basic level with blood sugar abnormalities is we really want, like I said, we really want these levels, this level of the glucose, so the sugar, to be pretty consistent. And insulin's job is to help with that by getting it into the cell. And so what can happen at an early kind of stage of abnormalities is we get something called insulin resistance. And so a lot of people have heard of that and don't really understand what that is. So what that actually is saying is where the cells actually are resistant, like it sounds, meaning they don't actually respond to insulin correctly. So where insulin's job is to take sugar, move it into the cells, all of a sudden the cells can't utilize the insulin correctly, and then we keep sugar higher in the blood. And once we see blood sugar stay high for certain periods of time, that's when we can, over time, develop things like diabetes. So one of the important things, I think, too, from a basic level with this is understanding that this insulin resistance thing is very, very early in the whole trajectory of development of something like diabetes. And oftentimes, if we actually measure our insulin levels in the blood, a lot of people have seen basic blood sugar tests called blood glucose, or some of you guys may be even familiar with the hemoglobin A1C. But you know, not to get too technical, like the point of this is, is asking your doctor if you're worried about blood sugar, not just to test your blood sugar, but actually to test your insulin levels, because that's like the pre-pre-pre-stages of actually developing blood sugar imbalances that are more problematic to the body. Right. And, and I think um, understanding also that, you know, when you were talking about sugar and what sugar is, and, you know, yes, it can come from, from vegetables, but knowing that even if it doesn't seem like sugar, so grains are going to turn into sugar, um, it's something as, as simple as sweet potatoes, they're sweet, they are going to turn into sugar. So, to, you know, you, if you have blood glucose issues, understanding what it is that you can and can't eat. Alcohol is going to turn into sugar hard on the liver and as much as i i it pains me to say it um because i do love a good wine and a little bubbly um there's nothing good about it really <laughs> it's just really Except the fact that it's fun that it's fun yes yeah it can yeah. kind of you know it can do some good things but they can turn into some bad things but knowing where sugar comes from and then going to to the really simple stuff and i don't want to get too far into this because i really want to dig in with you but I want to make sure that understanding that even if you think something is healthy, you're going and you're eating your yogurt. That's a whole other topic, except so much yogurt, especially when it's low fat, they fill it with sugar. Um, um, what are other good examples of things that, that where sugar might hide that can spike our blood sugar? You know, it's interesting. There's even some limited studies that are showing even things like artificial, or artificial, am I saying that right? That's coming yes. out right. Yeah. Um, sweeteners. So all of our artificial sweeteners can actually also stimulate blood sugar, yep. so blood sugar elevation. So that's a really interesting one mm -hmm. because we think that we are not actually adding, we're not technically adding sugar specifically like through the forms of grains and those sorts of things, but we can actually still see blood sugar spiking even from some of these no you know, calorie types of sweeteners. Mm -hmm. So that's a one where it's like not even hidden, but it still has that impact. So. Mm -hmm. Really, I think it's food of all different sources, but another thing that I would really encourage people to consider that I'm just getting ready to start today, I actually have it right here, uh, is a continuous glucose monitor. Yeah. So these are like, you know, newer right now, and I, I don't have any blood sugar issues, but I'm getting ready to start this on myself just as a trial, because one of the things I've seen in my clients that use this is sometimes there's foods that we think of as like not generally supposed to raise blood sugar, mm -hmm. but for the uniqueness and the bio-individuality of how we are, say, metabolizing, we're breaking down the food, 
it actually can uniquely spike our own blood sugar and, and cause problems. And the only way we can actually figure that out is by doing something like yeah. using something like a CGM, a continuous glucose monitor. So, you know, I think there's a lot we can talk about around like hidden sources, like you're saying, like dairy is one that sometimes mm -hmm. people don't think about the sugar and dairy can yeah. be very, can spike people's blood sugar sometimes. And so there's definitely a lot we can say with that. And then there's also another layer of this individuality that can help, can happen. And, you know, I have one client that couldn't get weight off. Like everything was doing was textbook perfect. Within two weeks of using one of these things, mm -hmm. dropped eight pounds after months and months and months of no change, just by being able to more thoroughly identify a couple foods that are really healthy foods that were actually triggering her that don't tend to trigger most people. I love that, and, and, and I totally agree with you. I've not done it myself, I've considered it, but I have a, a, a good friend of mine who's a practitioner, um, uh, and she has done it, she does it pretty regularly. And you know, your eyes are truly open to what is spiking, and then things that you might think would spike for certain people don't spike your glucose levels. And so it's, it's, it's the fun thing about, um, about wanting to learn, wanting to understand your body, which is always my goal and, and your goal as well for our patients and clients is to really have as, as much as possible, right, without being a practitioner yourself, but to have an understanding of your own body, what your body needs, why it needs it, how to get it. And, and, and know with so much confidence that what you're eating and what you're doing are the things that your body actually needs because you are not everybody else. And that's where a lot of us um, beat ourselves up because we think, well, this is working for so-and-so. Why, why am I still you know, 10 pounds or 50 pounds or whatever heavy because I can't, or my hormones are still messed up or you know, however many millions of, of symptoms and things are out there that we get really frustrated by. Understanding who you are as the individual, which is why labs are amazing, it's the most fun thing in the world, and then doing something that is uh, really, really even digging deeper with these continuous glucose monitors. I think that they, I just think they're fascinating. It's so much cool stuff coming out that we can that we can do for for our own health. It's amazing. Yeah, technology mm -hmm. has really come a long way yeah. for being able to individualize treatment even beyond, you know, labs are amazing. And like you, I just, I love lab work because it's such a key way of getting inside. And then there's, you know, there's things that standard labs don't look at mm -hmm. that some of these technological devices, whether it's sleep tracking devices, fitness tracking devices, HRV, you know, heart rate variability tracking devices, or like the CGM, like we're talking about can add these higher, or I shouldn't even say higher, additional layers yeah. of information with how to tailor our lifestyle choices. It's so yeah, amazing. It is. It's really, really fun. I mean, we can probably geek out on that stuff all day long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about hormones and Great. give some insight as to what hormones are. Because again, I know some of us, we think of estrogen and testosterone and that's about it. Yeah, hormone are, hormones are largely part of, say, signaling pathways in the body, you could say, on many levels. So we have our, and hormones that are also produced by glands is another thing that kind of defines hormones in many ways. So hormones, we can have anything like our common sex hormones that we just mentioned, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone. We have hormones produced by the adrenal glands like cortisol and DHEA that are classic. There's other hormones produced by the adrenals, but those are classically thought of as the top adrenal hormones designed to give us energy, these sorts of things. We have brain hormones, but hormones regulate so many things. They regulate our digestion, mm -hmm. they regulate functions all over our body. Um, the other area of things that we can look at from hormones are even things like you know, melatonin and the hormones that regulate circadian rhythm and sleep and all these various things. And then of course, looking at the impact of how hormones is another component of hormones is the widespread impact they have throughout the body and how they actually are interrelated. So there's interrelationships, for example, between cortisol, our stress hormone, and thyroid. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these hormones are communicating with each other and affecting each other in a very widespread type of way. Yeah, and I think that that's a really important point because one of the things that, that, that we know as, as practitioners is 
a lot of times when we go to, to the doctor and we get a hormone test, and you know they're pretty basic, maybe two or three, maybe four markers, um, that you know we come back and we're told, okay, we have hypothyroid, and so then that's all there is to it. And so the problem with that is there's there's not the the expanded view of what else is going on and what else is affecting this, and so you're you you have hypothyroid. And so what I always like to tell people is ask the question why. Let's dig deeper and let's ask why. Don't ever stop asking why. So for one, you need a good panel that's you know nine, 10 markers long. And then understanding that if you have a thyroid issue, wherever that's coming, it could be pituitary, it could be gut, it could be liver, could be cortisol. It could be stress. It could be so many things that are affecting your thyroid. It could be environmental toxins. So always can dig down and ask why and understand that these these organ systems are not working in you know in a in just a little box that they are it is wide and it's holistic and it's global and don't settle for this is this here's your drug because there's always more to it and there's always a reason why yeah, I mean, hormone replacement therapy has definitely helped a lot of people, and I think for sure it has its place. Sure. But I completely agree with you on, like, one of the problems we see, I think, most frequently is we get the diagnosis, maybe we maybe get whatever HRT type of therapy that we're given depending upon our labs, mm -hmm. and then typically it's just game over yeah. without understanding that the hormonal abnormalities are coming from a variety of things, you know, whether it's infections or environmental toxins or connection to other um, organs in the body, gastrointestinal, for example, but there's these root causes, and sometimes it's helpful for people to be on HRT, to be on, say, support for testosterone or estrogen or progesterone or any of the other hormones. Sometimes that can be a helpful Band-Aid when people are feeling really bad, but it is the body talking, and so yeah. usually when we can figure out the root cause and do the di di diagnostic test, once we get to the root cause, we can typically have people not on hormone replacement therapy because we've actually fixed the underlying problem. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's so true, um, understanding you know, the difference between, the, the understanding what functional medicine, functional nutrition, holistic, you know, all of, all of the sort of the, the, the terms these days, but that's always the goal, and that should be everybody's goal, is looking for the root cause. And, and just like you said, not taking it, not covering it up with a Band-Aid. And understanding, too, that supplements can sometimes be, a lot of times, can be Band-Aids as well. So we don't want to just give you an anti-inflammatory supplement to, to, you know, that decreases your inflammation. Sure, short term, it's fine. But we gotta understand where the inflammation's coming from and why. So just keeping that in mind, um, I think, Let's, let's start to put the two together and you know how it is that blood sugar and or blood glucose and hormones are connected. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of different links. So one of the things, for example, that can happen with elevations of blood sugar is we get a lowering of something called sex hormone binding globulin. So I wanna make sure everybody understands what that medical mouthful actually is. So I'm gonna take a step back and then we'll go forward. So sex hormone binding globulin essentially is a protein molecule and I look at it as almost like a taxi cab for hormones is how I describe it. So hormones basically are fatty types of substances, our, our blood is more watery aqueous. And so just like oil and vinegar don't mix, in order for us to get hormones transported around from the place they're produced to the cells that need them, they basically have to almost get in this taxi cab, which is a protein, and there's lots of different taxi cabs, mm -hmm. but sex hormone binding globulin is one of the big ones for hormones that essentially drives the hormones around, you could say, and drops the hormones off at the cellular level where the cells can use them. So what we see, for example, is with blood sugar, we actually wind up seeing that we have a lowering of sex hormone binding globulin. When we have a lowering of sex hormone binding globulin, that means there are less taxi cabs and there's less of hormones inside the taxi cabs, which actually means there's more what's called a free level of hormone levels 
um, that are essentially the, the, they're not attached to these taxi cabs and the levels actually wind up going as far as the available hormones, it winds up going up. So it's a pretty big mouthful to explain the fact that when we have things like blood sugar abnormalities and this insulin resistance due to those high glucose, those high sugar levels, that what will wind up happening is we actually wind up getting an increase in testosterone. And when we get that increase in testosterone, one of the common things for women oftentimes is PCOS. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the mechanism behind where we can see elevations in testosterone with things like PCOS or you know male pattern hair growth in women or problems for men with too high of testosterone levels and prostate abnormalities. And that's the connection back to blood sugar. Right. And so there are, um, there are lots of, in, in, well, so I, I have so many things I want to talk about. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that I want to, want to hit on real quick is, is what can happen with men. Because I know that a lot of times, and I said this a little while, a, a little while ago, is that when we talk about hormones, a lot of times it's the assumption that we're talking about women. And it's important to understand that, that when we're eating unhealthy diets, we're drinking a lot of alcohol, and this is, it's, it's social, it's America, it's what we do. Um, a lot of men will, will then produce the beer belly. It may not even be a beer belly, but it is a beer belly, and it's that, it's that really dangerous internal adipose tissue that's wrapping around the organs and it, it, it creates these, these metabolic and cardiometabolic issues, and, you know, so obviously incre increased blood sugar. But what's so fascinating to me is what happens at this point is oftentimes men, their, their testosterone will drop and their estrogen goes up. What's happening is because of this little estrogen factory that's going on here, men, for men, testosterone can convert or what's called aromatize into estrogen. So their sex drive goes down. They can go into these um, uh, sort of this this menopause. Isn't there another term for it? Is it is it menopause? Andropause. Andropause. <laughs> <I was like, laughs> menopause. <laughs> That's it too. That's my word. <laughs> Um, and and so it's 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 and, it's and then they go and this is what kills me is the is they'll go and they'll go to their um, you know their low T location whatever and they're like yeah okay your testosterone testosterone is low we're gonna shoot you up with testosterone more testosterone without understanding that this aromatization is going on or this conversion is going on and it they don't what I've seen don't get better because they're just creating more and more and more estrogen. So we've got to take it and go back to basics. Look at your food, look at your lifestyle, look at your stressors, look at all of these things that go into what has ultimately created this adipose tissue. Start eliminating that. And then, like you said, if we need temporarily a little bit of testosterone to feel better, once we know it's not converting, you know, I, I, I get that, you know, bio, uh, uh, um, bioidentical testosterone. Is that, do you do bio, bioidenticals at all? We do, do you? yeah, we do okay. use them in our practice, yeah. But, but like no. I said, it's really in combination with yeah. getting to the root and, yeah. you know, what you're talking about as far as aromatase, I think is super, super important because that really, that enzyme, right, that's converting testosterone to estrogen, that's present in, in females and males alike, mm -hmm is so influenced by our lifestyle choices yeah. like alcohol you know you bring up alcohol like that's part of how alcohol will lower testosterone is because it actually is increasing aromatase activity mm -hmm. you get more of that conversion and like some of our environmental toxins like you know bcps and phthalates mm -hmm. some of these major toxins and plastics they've been shown to do the same mm -hmm. um, this is another area where like stress um, stress and cortisol levels can influence that enzyme. So there's so many different things between diet and lifestyle choices and even training. Like mm -hmm. um, what's really interesting is like we see training actually increase testosterone levels, but overtraining, actually pushing too hard, 
will actually wind up lowering testosterone levels over time. And that's probably due in some part due to training, overtraining's effect on the adrenal glands and how cortisol is actually influencing that aromatase enzyme as well. And influencing the aromatase and probably influencing, you know, and, and raising blood sugar also. Correct. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, you know, if we go back and, and, and kind of put those together, um, I think it's important to understand that stress and elevated cortisol also increases blood sugar, which I have to say also decreases brain mass. <laughs> it's yes. so important. People don't understand that stress is probably is maybe is the most toxic thing that we deal with, um, and it affects every part of us. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen studies on cortisol and its impact on lowering things like neuroplasticity, the ability of the brain to grow new neural networks, and um, hippocampal mass, so it's like our memory, our cognition from that standpoint. So there's definitely a lot on that. And what's also interesting, though, is looking at some of the um, some of the research and the person that I've seen, see that, that kind of puts the research really well together on the topic I'm about to introduce is Kelly McGonigal. Mm -hmm. And so she does some really, she has a lot of um, really great information on tying stress and how we relate to stress to cortisol. And some of the um, studies she's put together that she's actually, she overviews, that when I've looked at the studies themselves are really interesting as far as showing that it's not necessarily even the stressor. Like in some of these studies when people are subjected to the exact same stressor and they have stress tests and they're measuring cortisol levels throughout the day and cortisol being our stress hormone, what they're actually finding is it's not even the stressor that is as important for that cortisol, that stress hormone abnormality. It's how we are in our mind actually relating to the stressor, mm -hmm. right? So if I, we all have the same stressor and some of us are like, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing ever. And we're making, we're you know, dramatizing it, even if it's really hard. Mm -hmm. um, that is going to lead to a worse cortisol type of response in our body than if we are have the same stressor and we are using our internal dialogue to say things like, wow, this is really, really hard and I really believe in myself that I'm up to the challenge and using a little bit more of that positive reinforcement mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. actually makes a dramatic difference on our cortisol levels and you know, in context of this conversation, that our blood sugar levels, our weight gain, our hormone levels can all be connected to not just stress, but how we actually relate to that stress. Yeah, the mental and the emotional component is so important. And I think a lot of times is separated, um, which kind of takes me back to, um, you know, having your team and, and which includes, you know, your mental and your emotional support and then, you know, whomever else that you need. But, um, you know, I, I uh, I, I, I live I live with a man who is he's amazing, but he is also very reactive. And I'm I am in most cases not very reactive. And so you say these things and I think about um, when there's that that intense reaction to things, you know, I and literally my brain goes, What's going on in his body right now? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and so but it's it's also the understanding and knowing what I know. He just he doesn't care about these things. He's like, yeah, I'm a man. I react to stuff, you know, whatever. But you know, it's you know, I want to I want to be calm for myself, and I want him to be calm for himself because I know what it can do, the damage that it can cause to the brain um, and to the the rest of the body. And I just think it's um, it's an important one to understand that it, there is a a. a, a not a connection, but it's it's a it's a big connection. I mean, it's a very important connection to to, to keep in mind. Um, I need to do a really quick break um, and talk about our sponsor, Cellcor, who is amazing. I you I, was Cellcor a sponsor last time you were on? They were. I thought yeah. so. I thought so. Um, I love Cellcor. Are you going to their conference coming up? I can't make it to the conference coming up. I have something else that weekend, but I know about it. I'm sad yeah. to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will be going, so I'm super excited to, to head up there and, uh, and chat with them about all the things that they're doing. But um, they are unique in their approach, uh, and then they are supportive of what it is to be in functional medicine and functional nutrition because they're, they are root cause oriented and looking for 
um, addressing that foundational support and health that we need. So looking at um, supporting cellular health and mitochondrial health and eliminating microbes and, 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 and toxins that should not be in the body um, that can create lots of stress, lots of cortisol, lots of blood sugar issues, lots of memory issues. I mean, all of the things that, that we talk about, um, this is what CellCore addresses. Um, and so I am super appreciative, appreciative of them and their products and how innovative they are. And, you know, everything that they bring out is, 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 has been just super interesting and innovative. And I just, I, I, I like innovation, you know, <laughs> to be repetitive, I guess. Um, so thank you to Cellcore and all that they're doing. You can um, you can only get their products through uh, practitioners. They are uh, they can be really intense products. So knowing how to use them is really really important. So uh, keep that in mind. Look for a practitioner. Um, of course, Dr. Diane and I are both practitioners. We use Cellcore and uh, love what they do. So um, I want to hit on real quick. Uh, you hit on it a little bit a little while ago, and I think it's an important one for people to to hear. Because there is, I think, a, a lack of understanding of the, the, the toxicants that we're surrounded by every second of the day and doing our best to, to, to mitigate those toxicants because they have a major, as much as possible anyway, a major impact on our hormones. Um, which of course is going to impact our blood sugar, but it's what's called xenoestrogens and metalloestrogens. Um, and these are estrogen mimickers that bind really tightly to our estrogen receptor sites, not allowing our own estrogen to do its job, increasing uh, hormones, increasing estrogen, increasing um, uh, you know, the damage that it potentially can cause if it's not eliminated well. Um, if the liver is not detoxifying properly, then you're holding on to those. And you know, it, there are some types of estrogens that can damage DNA. There are estrogens that, um, that can, that, you know, elevated estrogens, you know, go along with a lot of these things that we're talking about when it comes to, uh, you know, the PCOS and the fatigue and, uh, you know, the terrible uh, you know, PMS and PMDD and so many things. And, you know, the problems that it can cause in men and in kids uh, and understanding, so, sorry, back up. We're looking at um, pesticides, herbicides, the products that we put on our body, on our hair, um, in our yards, that we clean with, that we're cleaning our clothes with. If these are your mainstream products that you, that you are using on a regular basis, and, and literally on a regular basis, and the cleaning products kills me, because I'm like, they're cleaning products. I'm like, they're, they're not cleaning, they're, they're Toxifying, you know. <laughs> um, anything you want to add to that? Because I think it's an important one. Again, it's important for people to to realize that we can be pretty clean for the most part um, and take care of our our environment. Um, and 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 it really helps us with stress levels and it helps us with hormone levels. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on some of the, you know, the main points around the fact that they bind, these xenoestrogens can bind through the, to the estrogen receptors and block the effectiveness of healthy estrogen from doing its job. Another couple points to add on to that, one being where we find these things, like, I want to make sure that people are thinking about, like, this stuff ends up in our water. Yeah. You know, you can be doing, like, a lot with organic and a lot with really great choices, but if you're not filtering your water well, you're still getting a higher concentration of these types of things than, you know, than is ideal. So that's one thing to add. And then another thing to add of more what's happening in the an additional layer of what's happening in the body really comes down to our detoxification systems. And we have all these different, what are called pathways of detoxification in the liver. And essentially pathways are regulated by different enzymes. So we have different toxins that get broken down by different enzymes in the liver and they get broken down so that we can essentially, you know, excrete them in our sweat and our urine and our stool and our breath. 
And so, although that part doesn't happen typically in the liver. But anyway, so the idea with this is that we want to make sure that we have enough ability. These enzymes can only go at a certain speed. They all reach a, what's called like a rate limiting part where you can't speed up their activity any faster. So if we're filling our body up with these xenoestrogens from pesticides, from herbicides, from glyphosates, from poor water and all these cleaning products and everything else that we can name here, mm-hmm. we're actually then also adding all this stress to the liver where the liver can only detoxify so much at one point in time. So then if we're at the gas station, say breathing in fumes, that is adding a load. If we're surrounded by mold toxins, that is adding a load. So it's also not just about the products and the effect of estrogen, their effect on estrogen metabolism, but also their effect on the entire liver detoxification system, where if the liver is busy doing this over here, then we start can almost compounding these other types of toxins we come into contact with which then can lead to all sorts of different other health problems. So it's a, it can lead to this huge trickle-down effect if we're not careful. Right. And it makes me think of, of a situation uh, like what the one you're in where there are, it can, I would imagine, I've not been there, uh, thankfully, but I can imagine that it's the smallest things that can trigger or take you over the edge. And you're like, why is this happening? You know, you can't put gas in my car because the smell of the gas takes me over the edge, or it's a, you know, I had a bite of bread, or, you know, whatever the, the, the you know, catalyst might be, um, but that's where we start to think, okay, there is a pretty intense overload, um, and the body's not able to, to handle it anymore. You know, we have people with these, these multiple chemical sensitivities, and, you know, which can come from the mold exposure and the lime, but again, it's that, it's that, you know, Okay, you know, in a bad way, my cup now runneth over. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the it's it's truly the, the straw that broke the camel's back yeah. kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, very cool. So, uh, what do you think? So, I'm trying to see what else because we've talked about so much. Um, things. Okay, so what we haven't talked about, which I think is another important topic, that is. Again, they're all so important. It's hard to kind of put them in an order, but sleep. Sleep is pretty important to everything that we do and to the body detoxifying and to the body, you know, being able to regulate cortisol and, you know, metabolize hormones and all of those things. What do you see in practice when it comes to your patients who are not sleeping well? Yeah, I'm so glad we're going here. It's so important because one of the things i mean we have people that are definitely not sleeping well and then we also have people that you know just kind of are in this camp of saying like well i can survive on four or five hours and i feel Mm -hmm. fine Mm -hmm. and that is also problematic so i want to throw you know that type of individual into this conversation because there's research that actually shows that with less than six hours of sleep we actually are insulin resistant that entire next day so oh, I've I actually seen this that. show up in myself. Like if I have a night of, like, of restless sleep, uh-huh. I, the next day I start craving carbs a lot. And some of the reason, the mechanism behind that is because we're, I'm insulin resistant because I didn't sleep as well. So I'm not able to get sugar into my cells. Mm-hmm. And so then I start craving more sugar because even though my blood sugar might be fine, my cells are actually starving and it's triggering my brain to want more carbs and that sort of thing. So one of the, you know, it's kind of a vicious cycle we can get in, whether Mm -hmm. it's like a, you know, true insomnia or somebody that's just not putting the time into sleeping because they think they're fine without it, Mm -hmm. where we can get this insulin resistance and then we start getting cortisol abnormalities that can come out of that because cortisol is a stress hormone that also is trying to help us regulate our blood sugar correctly. We can get weight gain from that And then even like to kind of continue the pathway, it's like we start gaining weight. Well, our fat cells actually will produce estrogen. Mm -hmm. And so then as our fat cells start producing estrogen because of this original sleep issue, then we start throwing out the balance between estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. And we can get a wide variety of hormone symptoms, of changes in the ease that we go through menopause and prostate problems, so many other things 
that can be derived back to this initial sensitizing event or events, we could say, of not sleeping well. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about cravings. And there are a couple of things that I, I still want to cover. I mean, I, I wish I could say, let's go for another hour. But um, cravings, I think, are an important topic, too, because cravings, I think that a lot of people don't understand cravings and what they are and, and, and why they are. And so, so when, we can, when we have the ability to understand them, I think is what can help us then um, start to move forward and get to know our bodies better. And so what you just said is, is when you are more insulin resistant, you have more sugar and carb cravings. And so, I, you know, I think a part of what this is too is I want people to understand that excess weight and a lot of times these things, you know, yes, we are accountable for a lot of this, but a lot of this also is these biochemical imbalances in the body that are not helping you when you're trying to have willpower and when you're trying to lose weight or do better or all of these things. And so taking it, it back to basics and then again, finding somebody who can help you understand what it is that's creating the, the imbalance that's been creating the, the, the craving. Yeah, it's, I think there's an important differentiation between like healthy cravings and non-healthy mm -hmm. cravings. So when we are, when our body is balanced, we can crave things in a healthy way. Like for example, I, I try like any new fad diet that's out as long as it's not going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. I try usually try it out on myself just so I can speak from a embodied type of place. So I tried carnivore diet for a little while Okay. and about four days in, I was looking at the tomatoes that were sitting on my counter uh -huh. and I was like salivating. Yeah. Like I've never had a craving for a tomato in that sort of way. Mm. So that to me is probably a sign of like a healthy craving, right? I'm like, I haven't eaten vegetables in days. My body was probably deficient of those nutrients. I wasn't mm. craving sugar. I just wanted some vegetables. Yeah. Versus like unhealthy cravings are going to be more, you know, things that we, we think of as unhealthy cravings. But it's important, like with what you're saying, to for people to realize, like this isn't, you know, a self-control issue. I mean, there can be that, but oftentimes it's due to, say, an insulin resistance, your blood sugar not being monitored correctly, or due to an infection of some sort, as a lot of infections are fed by sugary foods. Or another common one is a dopamine deficiency, mm -hmm. because dopamine is that that hormone, that neurotransmitter in our brain that is helps with happiness and it's our reward center. So if we have a tendency to have a lower amount of dopamine in our body, we will have a tendency oftentimes to create or to crave foods that will actually trigger a higher dopamine release. And oftentimes these are the really fatty, sugary types of foods where we're getting that dopamine hit. So sometimes we're craving things to get a chemical release that will actually make us feel temporarily better. But of course there's long-term effects. Right, right, right. Um, and so I love that. I love, I have, I have two things for you. Um, I want to ask you the question about your thoughts on a modified keto diet for women and for hormone balance. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, keto diet is, I look at it in many ways as a therapeutic diet. Yes, and one of the things that we need to be careful about is insulin is actually a slight upregulator of thyroid hormones. So I'll say that in a different way. You eat carbs to stimulate insulin because insulin is, is going to be stimulated by a carbohydrate diet. Insulin will actually trigger your thyroid to release thyroid hormone. So it's really common, I've especially seen this in women when we're doing keto diets, that we actually are not eating enough carbs mm -hmm. and we're actually missing that trigger to the thyroid. Mm -hmm. And we can sometimes have situations where we get a temporary weight loss followed by a rapid weight gain, mm -hmm. and that's part of the mechanism. So other people do really, really well on it. I've seen it be a great diet for people with, with brain issues. I've seen mm -hmm. it help people with weight loss. So it can be a wonderful diet, but the biggest thing I would say with doing that is check your blood markers, watch mm -hmm. for your own individual uniqueness, mm -hmm. yep. because what I've seen is like, it worked really well for some people and it's really, really problematic for others. Yeah, 
I totally agree, you know, and I think that a lot of diets can be, well, they're either fad diets or they are therapeutic diets. You know, I believe that being a vegan, their veganism is a therapeutic type of diet. Um, you know, there, there are a host of other ones, but I think when it is, when it comes to a therapeutic diet, it means short term. And again, yeah, watching your own markers, being careful, being aware. And so, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, there are several books on, you know, these modified keto, modified specifically for women, um, because I think that we don't handle keto as well as men do. We don't handle necessarily intermittent fasting as well as, as men do because of hormones, because it's just the way that we're built and the way that we're created. So understanding that piece of it. I want to take a quick or a sort of a, 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 a quick turn into uh, S or in, into hormones and the more super chronic conditions that we also deal with. And I know that this is I, we talked about this early on, and I think this is an important important topic to bring up because there is there's such a lack of understanding of of hormones, and there still is, and you know, in, in both the, the medical world as well as you know everywhere else but I wanted you to hit on uh, on hormones and cancer yeah yeah we talked about this a little mm -hmm. bit offline for a second mm -hmm. so one of the things that's really interesting in analyzing some of the research on hormones and their relationship to cancers is that most of the studies that we are basing our our treatments on as far as you know, lowering or, or mitigating hormone levels and that sort of thing is based upon correlative studies. Mm -hmm. And what that means essentially is there's studies where they're looking to say, okay, this you know, group of people had these types of cancers and they also had high estrogen. And so they make a correlation in these studies that says, okay, well, they have high estrogen and they happen to have cancer, then maybe estrogen levels going up actually causes cancer. But it's not, they're not causative. And causative studies actually will come in and they'll say, okay, well, if we give somebody a lot of estrogen, will we actually induce cancer? And so some of the new research out right now is really looking to say that we need to be looking beyond these hormone levels that it might not be, there might not be as positive as we initially thought because of the problems with these original studies, and that it might be a huge uh, influence, cancers might be a huge influence by things like insulin resistance, mm -hmm. environmental toxins, these sorts of things. And, you know, as I was talking offline, like I'm not an oncologist, this is not my area of expertise, but I do see this research, and with, you know, cancer being this very scary six letter word, I think it's really important that people hear this, that if they're, you know, being told that, okay, estrogen is this big bad wolf, that it might be more related to some of these underlying root causes of pesticides, of herbicides, of other environmental toxins, of estrogen or of insulin issues and other types of things like this. And if you are, if you have a family history of it, if you've struggled with cancer yourself and are in remission, I really encourage you to look beyond just thinking that if you keep your hormones in balance, everything's going to be okay because we're seeing that there's these other triggers that may be playing possibly more of an influence than, you know, that even some of these hormones do like we initially thought. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, it, for, for it, it, just to sort of paint, paint a picture, you know, we talk, there's, you know, breast cancer that can be estrogen dependent breast cancer, prostate uh, can be estrogen uh, prostate cancer can be estrogen dependent. Um, and I know that there are, I'm sure that there are other ones. I, I, I'm not well versed in cancer myself. Um, although, uh, do you know Jess Kelly? I feel like I know that name, yeah. but no. Anyway, yeah. she's, uh, and anyway, she's going to be on here in a month or a couple of months, but she's the founder of Oncology Nutrition Institute. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, we will have somebody on who is who is super versed in oncology and oncology nutrition. So I'm excited about that. It'll 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 be good. You know the 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 cancer thing is a little bit near and dear to my heart since I lost my mom to it. Um, but it's uh it's it it is a really scary topic and really misunderstood. I think on on so many levels. You know I think you know even those who are the professionals. I think that they're still 
Like, I don't know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you so much. Um, I love this conversation. I can't believe, well, we still have four minutes. I want to make sure, I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you. If you, there's anything that you want to talk about, anything that you want to hit on um, that, that maybe we didn't cover. Yeah, absolutely. So basically my clinic is Medicine with Heart. We do work with people all over the world in various fashions. So you can definitely find me at medicinewithheart.com. I have an online training school for clinicians where I do train clinicians all over the world in functional medicine. And that is found at mindbodyfunctionalmedicine.com. That you can get started with me in my online training program as a clinician for only $1. So it's a really easy way to check out the content, see if you love it, stay if you do, leave if you don't. Um, so definitely wanna let you guys all know about that. And then also, I think last time we were on the show, I gave away uh, my, my happiness challenge. So my happiness course, my hack your mind course, essentially is what it's called. So we can definitely do that again today for your listeners. And so essentially what that is, is it's a course going over the research on, on how to stay happy, on how we actually have control over that and on stress. And mm -hmm. it kind of goes over some of what we've talked about around, okay, well, you're going through stress. How do you actually work your mind in a way where you can go through stress and not actually create these hormonal balances. So it teaches the research, gives you activities, that sort of thing. Normally it's a 297 value and, and happy to give it to your audience for, for free. Awesome. So I definitely encourage you guys to go through that because it's like one of these things, right? It's like we can do all these things externally, which are important, mm -hmm. organic food mm -hmm. and exercise and clean water and you know making sure we're maximizing our sleep. But some of the biggest tools we have as far as changing our hormones and managing our stress and actually working with insulin resistance really comes in what we're doing in our mind. Not to say that this is like a product of um, depression or anxiety or anything like that, but that our thoughts are actually deeply connected to our hormone levels. And it's kind of like the biggest say gold ticket we have it's super easy to use the mind once it's trained it's totally free you know you don't take anything but we just need to train our mind how to operate in a way where we're maximizing our thoughts and so i encourage you guys to take it that's what we do in that course i love that i love that um is this uh, is this something so two things if mm -hmm. you have the link, send me the link, and I'll, we'll yeah. put it and post it everywhere. Perfect. But is it on your website also, or do we just need the link? It's on my website, but on the website, you, it's for purchase. It so for purchase. I'll give you a okay. special link so that you guys can actually get it for free. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so you are Medicine with Heart and then Mind Body for the Practitioners, yes? MindBodyFunctionalMedicine.com is the one for, for the practitioners, yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well... Again, um, I'm super grateful. I love this. Um, you know, we could we could probably have I don't know how many conversations we could have, and so happy oh, to have wow. you on again. I know <laughs> it's so fun, and I love to nerd out on this stuff, and I love learning. Um, and I hope that you learned a ton as well. I hope that if you have questions, that you'll reach out to Dr. Diane. Of course, you can reach out to me. Um, I'm Taste Life Nutrition everywhere, uh, and you know, you can go to the website tastelifenutrition.com. I have a free assessment that you can fill out and that will uh, come straight to me and I reach out to you personally and we chat about it and we see how we might be able to help you and what might be going on and, and kind of take it from there. So um, what else do we have? We are, uh, I, I have, I am in the process of creating a soulful conception um, and I want to talk a little bit about this because this has been something that, that I have had clarity around over I don't know the last bit you know I talk a lot about epigenetics and and how important it is in understanding our health today and how it can affect our health how it affects our future but also how it affects our kids and affects our generations seven generations to come so our health today has been affected by seven generations past we have the, the ability to affect seven generations to come which gives us a lot of power you know, I, I feel like we have, you know, taken our own power away when it comes to our health in many ways, which is, you know, why Dr. Diane and I do what I do, because you have so much power over who you are, what you eat, where you are, your, your, your disease status, you know, your, your, how you live later in life. 
and you have the ability in a lot of ways to control how healthy our future is. And I think taking that and, and really taking it to heart and, and preparing for pregnancy and making sure that your body is healthy and, and, and allowing for then a successful pregnancy, a successful baby, and a successful adult and many generations to come. I just think, I think that that understanding of the control and the power that we have is huge and obviously very empowering. And I want to empower women, but this is also about men, uh, men uh, being healthy and you know, coming together and having the mindset that we are creating the healthiest future that we possibly can. And maybe that's big picture stuff. Well, it is big picture stuff and I can't help it. I, I love it. <laughs> So anyway, um, go to website. You can find me. All the social media is Taste Life Nutrition. Super grateful for uh, all of you and watching the show. And thank you again, Dr. Diane. And we will definitely have you on again and talk about something else super fun. Thank you, Nikki. Can't wait. Awesome. Thank you. See you all later. Thank you.